We're turning together to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Continuing our consideration of the Decalogue. Very long verse, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. Actually, in Hebrew, it's two words. Lo tirsak. Thou shalt not kill. You, you've seen the word lo. Loami. No people. And you've seen that transliterated a few times in God's Word. Well, the negative is before the verb uh, no killing or thou shalt not kill. It's a verb uh, in, the, in the negative sense. What is the sixth commandment? The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. Interestingly, there are at least eight Hebrew words and may I say about seven Greek words in the New Testament that are translated kill or sacrifice or put to death. But this particular word is never used, for instance, of soldiers killing in a war or of animals being slaughtered or of um, other killings like killings of animals for food. This is reserved for premeditated killing or murder. The noun and the, the uh, adjective, uh, I'm sorry, two nouns, murderer and murder, in the Old Testament are normally translated that, not, not killing and killer. But for whatever reason, the verb is mostly translated by the word kill. Like, thou shalt not kill. But we have um, once where it's translated, well, we're, now we're looking into the New Testament. In the New Testament, the verb is translated murder once and uh, kill the, the, rest of the, the rest of the time. But this word is dealing with premeditated killing. Remember, we're looking now at the second table of the law. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The sixth commandment deals with the, the sanctity of human life. We already looked at the fifth commandment dealing with the sanctity of human authority where we read, Honor thy father and thy mother. The sixth commandment is the sanctity of human life. We would continue on the seventh commandment, the sanctity of marriage, and so on. Again, it's given in the prohibition form. Eight of the ten commandments are given in the negative form. What is sin? The Shorter Catechism asks, number 14. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And so, this is forbidding the transgression thou shalt not kill where the want of conformity to this commandment would be what? What is the opposite of thou shalt not kill? 
Well, thou shalt promote life. But, for instance, it's the exact opposite of what Cain did. Remember, after Cain slew or murdered his brother Abel, the Lord already knew what had happened, but he questioned Cain. What was Cain's response? Am I my brother's keeper? That is the precept of the sixth commandment. We are to be our brother's keeper, not our brother's killer. And that's the thought today. We are to be our brother's keeper and not our brother's killer. He said it sarcastically, but he was exactly right. Isn't it interesting how some people who are sarcastic actually can speak the truth that we can learn? There are a lot of subjects under consideration from the Sixth Commandment. For instance, suicide, self-defense. People ask, what, what about suicide? What about self-defense? What about warfare, the military, versus pacifism? What about abortion, capital punishment? What about the sins of gluttony? And drunkenness, drugs. What about the sin of hatred or envy? All these come under the rubric of the Sixth Commandment. What about hunting and fishing? What about a mean spirit and someone who is just simply destructive? You can remember as a young, as a child going in, you know, if, if you let your grass grow long enough, it starts to get these little white flowers. And then if you have your lawn covered in white flowers, what do you normally uh, see throughout the lawn? Well, you see honeybees or uh, bumblebees throughout. And as a, as a young person, I was destructive. I would walk and just purposely step on these bees. It, wasn't, it was just the sinfulness of my heart. These are little creatures that God has made that have a purpose. And the Bible says that a righteous man regards the life of his beast. And you can get right down to a little bee. The righteous man regards the life of a bee. Now I understand if the bees make their way into a church building or if there's a a nest as there has been. But we had a good way of disposing or uh, seeing the bees leave uh, the right back corner. We had beekeepers come in recently and sweep a whole nest into a bin and into their beehives. But this commandment is dealing with the sin of murder, the sin of not being our brother's keeper. You know, you may not murder anyone whether with your eye or with your hand or with your heart. But we aren't absolved of promoting and preserving life. And ultimately, this commandment deals with the need for people's souls to live. We need to remember that it's not just the physical body the temporal life of a person that should be promoted and preserved. Man and woman, we all have souls that will live somewhere forever. 
And so this commandment really applies to believers who preach who we ought to preach the gospel. We ought to seek to keep people from the second death and the murder of their souls by neglect and spiritual suicide. So we might say it this way, murder is always killing, but killing is, is not always murder. Murder is always killing, but killing is not always murder. This command deals with the premeditated, intentional killing of a human being. And may I say, you could apply it, in a sense, to the, just the random slaughter of creatures for no purpose whatsoever. That's a creature that isn't in threat, a threatening to us or just randomly killing whatever it might be, whether it be an animal or an insect. And I don't think we're taking the thought too far because God made all these creatures. In the Bible, when God created us, He created us with dominion over the creatures, not to destroy the creatures randomly. So thou shalt not kill is thou shalt not murder. And we find that in the New Testament. Uh, in Matthew's Gospel, you'll have thou shalt not kill early in the Gospel, for instance, chapter 5, but in chapter 19, the very same verb is translated thou shalt do no murder. I don't know why um, the translators use the word murder once and the rest of the time use the word kill. And obviously, we understand if it's talking about the Sixth Commandment that the, the idea is murder or premeditated killing. In the Old Testament, for instance, Jeremiah 7 verse 8 uses the same word that's translated kill in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery? Hosea 4 says in verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing. Now it uses the word killing and not murder there. But in Psalm 94, 6, the psalmist says they murder the fatherless. This exact same verb. Math, or, uh, sorry, Numbers 35 is a commentary really on the sixth commandment in, in several verses. But it says in verses 16 and 21 that the person is a murderer who premeditates taking someone's life. So this commandment, first of all, deals with the sacredness of human life, the sanctity of human life. You go back to Genesis where the Lord uh, speaks of man being at the apex of his creation. It does not say of the angels that He made them after His own image and likeness. He did not give the angels uh, dominion over the creatures. The angels, we understand, we believe, were created first. Remember, the, the devil was already existing as he, went, as he uses the serpent going into the Garden of Eden. In Job chapter 38, it speaks of the sons of God rejoicing at creation. And we assume that that is referring to the angels. So, we're not given the, 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 the text, we're not given the record of the creation of angels 
the Bible was written to human beings, and we can understand, therefore, why um, we read of man on the sixth day being created. Some say, well, what day was the, were the angels created on? I can't, I, can't, I can't answer that other than it could have been the sixth day. He just doesn't record it. He doesn't record uh, the creation of angels. But they're, they're here. They're, create, they're creatures of God. And we know from the Scriptures that one-third of them fell with Satan. Two-thirds the Lord elected to keep from falling. We're, we're, they're, told, they're called in First Timothy 5.21 uh, the elect angels. And so you and I are saved because God elected us. The angels were saved from falling. We're saved uh, from the fall. We, we, we fell. We're, we're saved uh, from our sins that we've committed by God's electing grace. The angels were kept from falling by God's electing grace. But there's no salvation for one-third of the fallen angels who are called demons now. The Son of God did not become a, an angel to live and die for them. He became a human being to live and die for us. I can't you ask why. Hebrews posits that the angels could have had a substitutionary sacrifice because it says that he did not take the nature of angels. He took the nature of, of Abraham, the nature of man. But the Bible tells us that we are the apex of God's creation. We're unique. We're made in God's image and after His likeness with dominion over the creatures. How did God create man? What's the answer again in the shorter catechism? God created man male and female after His own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness with dominion over the creatures. So the Bible teaches we're a special creation. And so may I say it this way, someone who premeditates killing a human being takes God's picture and rips it up. It's God's prerogative to bring a person into the world as a time to be born, Ecclesiastes says, and a time to die. And in Hebrews it says... It's appointed unto men once to die. Who's, who's done the appointing? It's the Lord. So even though you say a picture isn't God, it's a picture of God. What, what would you think if someone walked into your house and took a picture of your parent and just ripped it up? You might as well have smote, uh, smitten your parent. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's a knife to your own heart. And that's essentially what's happening. Someone is seeing a human being, even if it's an enemy. You know, the, the Lord says, It has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, the Bible does not teach that. Love your enemies. Even an enemy is said to be in the image of God. An enemy can be saved. Even a thief breaking up... Uh, I know there's, 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 there's application here, but basically it's saying in Exodus, if, 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 it, if in the dark, if, if a thief is caught and you, and you kill him, it's, it's, it's still out of self-defense. You couldn't see him, but to be more merciful if you find him in the daylight and you can save his life without killing him. 
Even a thief's life was precious uh, because they're made in the image of God. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but what about a child that is the result of rape? That child is made in the image of God. It's not that child's fault that it was brought into the world that way. And, a, and I know it's, 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 it's a sad thing for a woman to, to realize this has happened, but as we look at the Bible, a mother has to say, that child is made in the image of God. And that child has a right to life before God. Man is, is a special creation of God. Satan is called a murderer from the beginning out of his jealousy and envy of man's dominion over the creatures. Satan did not like an inferior position. And he murdered the soul, if you will, by causing us to fall from God's goodness. But he also is a murderer of the body. Lord Jesus said, Fear not him that can kill the body, but after that he has no more that he can do. But in a sense, Satan murdered the soul because when we fell into sin, we lost communion with God. And we're liable to all the miseries of this life and even death itself. And we're under God's uh, curse and liable to eternal damnation. Cain was of the evil one and slew his brother, we're told. Death is a punishment for sin. God warned Adam and Eve, Thou shalt surely die. Literally, dying you will die. The dying there, I think, is the soul that immediately starts to... is immediately killed, if you will. And eventually, what, 900... And five years later, Adam died physically. But life and death are sovereignly determined. And man does not have a right to take a life unless God ordains it. And we will consider the thoughts of self-defense and capital punishment uh, in due time. But this command reminds us of the sacredness of human life, the sacredness of human birth, of human life, and even the sacredness of the human death. There's something surreal, isn't it, to to stand by? Have you ever stood by or sat by someone who passed into eternity? There's a life going into eternity, whether into God's paradise or God's prison. The sacredness of God's creation. And how can we not also see the sacredness of the incarnation of God? What human life is the most sacred of all? Is it not the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the Bible tells us, tells us that we killed the Prince of Life. Jesus Christ was murdered. And 
cannot you and I say that we, if we were there, would have murdered with our tongues as they crucify Him? Oh, the soldiers physically murdered Him. But the Jews and the people that were there, and all of us have a part in murdering with our hearts, and with our minds, and with our tongues. Jesus' life was most sacred. And yet, He died for us who deserved the death penalty. Jesus received the death penalty that He might save us from the second death. So we see that this this command teaches the sacredness of human life. We ought to love our fellow man because he's made in the image of God. The Bible says, honor all men. So as we look at a human being, whatever, whatever ethnicity, whatever, whether it's a, 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 an enemy, a stranger, a friend, we see an image of God. Made in the image of God. Knowledge and righteousness and holiness in a believer. But there's still, even though man has fallen, even an unsaved person still has the vestige of being made in the image of God. And we ought not to rip a picture unless the Lord gives that command. Secondly, this command obviously is in the prohibition form. Sin is any want of conformity unto and or transgression of the law of God. So, the prohibition is the form of this command. Thou shalt not murder. And so, it refers to so many what we call something side, right? Genocide. Homicide. Suicide, infanticide, and then you have euthanasia, supposedly mercy killing, human sacrifice, massacres, all of these come under the prohibition of thou shalt not murder. Premeditated, presumptuous killing. And we have immediately... In Exodus chapter 21, you have case laws right after the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, the record of the Ten Commandments, and then 21 and following, you have quite a few case laws. For instance, in verse number 14, it says, If a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, Thou shalt take him from mine altar that he, that he may die. If a man come proudly, is the word presumptuously, upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, obviously the guile means that he approached the neighbor uh, as jo- Joab did, the two uh, captains of David's armies. Sometimes people would just come up without any guile and presumptuously murder. But what does the Lord say? Thou shalt take him from mine altar. Interestingly, he's anticipating 
that people will run to the altar of God and grab hold of the horns and, and as if they're using religion as a defense from capital punishment. You can't kill me. I'm holding on to the horns of the altar. That's exactly what Joab did. He held on to the horns of the altar and the captain of David's host didn't slay him because he was at the altar. And he went back to David and he said, he's hanging on to the... Or Solomon. He went back to the, to the king and said, what do I do? Solomon said, kill him. There's no... Solomon knew this Scripture. It says in verse... Four, again, verse 14... Take him from mine altar that he may die. As if man uses religion as a superstition to keep him from justice. No, it is, it is, it is justice, it is true religion that puts to death the murderer. Numbers makes it very clear, for instance, if you smite with an instrument of iron, he's a murderer. If he smites by throwing a stone, this is Numbers 35, verses 16 and following, he's a murderer. If he uses a hand weapon of wood to kill, he's a murderer. If he thrusts or hurls at him because of hatred and kills him, he's a murderer. In enmity, if he smites with his hand and kills, he's a murderer. Verse 22, it starts with manslaughter being an accident. He's not to be put to death. But the Lord did provide cities of refuge for them to flee to if they, if they accidentally killed someone. What a picture of the Gospel. But obviously there are, there are many instruments by which someone can kill someone or murder someone. You've heard the expression, if they could kill with their eyes. The Bible tells us that you can, kill, you can murder someone without even putting their physical body to death. Remember what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Just like He says you can commit adultery with your heart if you look upon a woman to lust. Chapter 5 and verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The Lord is te teaching us that hatred is a form of murder, just like lust is a form of adultery. We are to love our neighbors and not hate them. We are to not hate human beings. Even unadvised anger is spoken of. And in the case of Levi and, and um, Simeon, you remember Genesis 49.6, their father on his deathbed said in anger they slew a man. So obviously, anger and hatred are our uh, means, our, the, the, the preparation for a possible murder. And so we need to, in our hearts, ask God to take away any hatred or envy 
or jealousy and pour out His love into our hearts for someone that we're tempted to hate and to despise. Matthew Henry, if you see his, his treatise on the Ten Commandments, has what he calls 12 ways to murder someone. You can murder with your hand. And you remember, that's what Joab did in the murder of those two captains of, of the armies, Abner and, and um, what's the second one, Abner and, yeah, it'll come. Many of you probably who are listening already have his name on board. At, not Asahel, Abner and, it's another A, it'll come to me. You can murder with your mind, with your heart. You can murder with your tongue in slandering someone. How our words do break our bones, don't they? Remember that old lying, lying sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Is that not a lie? How we can hurt, how we can murder, how we can slay someone with our tongues. Like the piercing of a sword. We can murder with our pens. Matthew Henry reminds us of David who wrote a note and put it in the very victim's hand to take to Joab and say, basically he was saying, Joab put me in the hottest part of the battle so I'll die by the sword of the Ammonites. And, and the Lord says to David, you have killed Uriah by the sword of the enemy. David with his pen put Uriah to death. You can murder by plotting someone's death. Jezebel plotted the death of the man who owned the, the uh, vineyard. And we're told even his sons were, were murdered as well. You can poison someone to death. How'd you like to have the job of a of a king's what's he called? Uh, uh, the, the tester of a king's food. You can murder by witchcraft. You can murder by intending to murder, though you don't actually perform it. Remember, Herod was had intended to murder Jesus. But the Lord caused the wise men to go another way and and sent Joseph and Mary and Jesus to Egypt. You can murder by consenting someone else's murder. Paul consented to the murder of Stephen. And he said that I was there and I, I gave my word. I consented to it. He believes that he was guilty. You can murder by not hindering someone's murder. Who, hind- who should have hindered Jesus' murder? Pilate. Pilate was guilty even though he said he washed his hands of the blood, but his hands were, were stained with the blood of the Lord Jesus. Did he not say, not once, not twice, several times, I find no fault in this man. It was He was... He was to justly release Jesus. And he did not hinder his murder. 
Interestingly, I believe that Henry's right. You can murder by not executing the law against a murderer. Someone said that if a, if a, a murderer has committed six murders, that the first one he's guilty of, but the, the rest of the murders are the liability of the judge who let him go. Think about the judges that have let murderers go or have not executed capital punishment. They'll give account to God for not executing the law, the justice of God. And the twelfth means of murdering is under the title unmercifulness. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 6. It's an interesting take on the sixth commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 6. No man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge, for he taketh a man's life to pledge. In other words, you're taking a man's life, it says. You're asking collateral of this man, but you're asking the collateral that is for his well-being, for his welfare. It's like taking the tools from a mechanic as collateral for a debt. Perhaps you remember years ago where an Olympic skater was... was uh, there was an attempted uh, an attempt by her her competition to permanently injure her so that she could no longer skate and you've heard of of boxers who've had their hands crushed on purpose so they could no longer box now that's another issue because when you think about dangerous sports and i know that there's 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 a debate about this but there are sports that are dangerous that are risky to our lives. And this would come under, again, the Sixth Commandment. That we ought not to be doing things that risk our physical lives and risk our spiritual lives. I mean, think about it. Taking gloves and smacking, punching somebody's face until you can't recognize them as a human being anymore. You really think that that's of God? And I know people love car racing, but going 150, 200 miles an hour around a little racetrack with all the cars, I'm sorry, there's just, there's just a point where you're risking your life. And it certainly comes under the fact of preserving physical life. I am my brother's keeper. Or the intention of the transmission of disease. How often we say to the kids, parents, if your children are sick, keep them home. Why would you want to spread others' sickness? There have been those who have been sick with contagious diseases, fatal sicknesses, and they will purposely seek to infect others. How about the pitcher who, who gives a bean ball to the batter? Someone says you can use a fork to dig your grave or a bottle that causes an early death. 
The Lord teaches us that we are to appreciate the sanctity of the human life God has given us and God has given our neighbor. If we love them, that we'll appreciate the fact, no matter who they are, that they're made in the image of God. And then we need to see how vast this commandment deals with its prohibition, thou shalt not murder, and all these different ways that people can be put to death. Euthanasia, Dr. Death, Dr. Murder, Kevorkian. Think of all these people who are taking poison and, and hastening their death. And so many of them aren't prepared. So many of them are, are unprepared. And they think they're going to go into eternity on a, on a white cloud. And they end up in a devil's hell. You say, what about people that are wracked with pain? And I, 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 don't, I don't speak with experience, but that we know from others who've been at the, at the beds of saints, it's a way that they can plead the blood of Christ, plead the help of God that they're being sanctified in their pain as they call upon the Lord and plead with others to trust Christ before they go into eternity. Again, we don't have that authority to take our own lives. And think of the infanticide. Over 70 million children. And in so many of these cases, it's their promiscuity, it's their, it's their wickedness, it's adultery, it's fornication that causes this infant to come into the world. The Bible says that we ought not to commit adultery or fornication. But these are new lives in the wombs of mothers. They say, I have rule over my body. Well, you should have thought of that before your promiscuity. But having said that, that child is no longer the mother's body. There's a new body in there. There's a new soul in there. What about suicide? It's taking your own life. And I understand we need to be, we need to be merciful. There are people that have lost their minds. There are people that are full of anxiety. We understand that these things uh, are difficult. But yet, the Lord says, Thou shalt not murder. And self-murder is a form of the transgression of the Sixth Commandment. And yet we find so many are taking their lives. These high-rise bridges and young people, soldiers, so many. And there are organizations that are there to help those that are, are contemplating suicide. It's appointed unto men once to die. And God is the sovereign one. Homicide after homicide after homicide. Genocide of, of peoples in western Russia and in many other countries. But abortion is genocide in the United States of America. And we pray for our president, but what hypocrisy for him to say, as president, I raise human rights wherever I go, as he should have raised the, the, the murder of the, the uh, Saudi Arabian reporter, who was who, Kasagi for the Washington Post, 
And he said, I, it's my responsibility to raise the, 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 uh, the bar about human rights. What about the human rights of millions of our children? Over 70 million now. There's 70,000 or more people that can fit into Bill's stadium. So how many times could you fill Bill's stadium if you had 70 million people? A thousand. A thousand. You can fill Bill's stadium a thousand times with the lives of those infants. Just like Jesus said of, of people of, 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 of uh, the Queen of Sheba, she'll rise in judgment against the cities that rejected Christ. Can you imagine the day when the infants who've been slaughtered will rise up in the judgment? Can you imagine the poignancy of that moment when everyone is still in their silence and the Lord calls into the presence of that greatest size all the infants that have been slaughtered? The Lord tells us that He hates the shedding of innocent blood. Well, brother and sister, this commandment is far-reaching. The Lord causes us to understand the sanctity of life that He has been given, that He has given us. But there are other other considerations. Look at look with me in chapter twenty-one again in Exodus verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. We're just skimming the surface, really. Exodus 21, verses 28 to 29. It's our responsibility to protect the life of our neighbor. If an ox gore a man or a woman and they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned and his flesh shall, be, shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and he hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. In other words, an unsafe animal is, is a warning to the owner. That if that unsafe animal, it's, you probably heard lawyers tell, it's in the law, the one bite rule. Have you heard that? We, none of us have, well, some of us have oxen or cattle with horns. But have you ever heard of the one bite rule? I think what applies most of all, isn't it, is, is, is canines. But it's not that the dog gets one free bite. That's really what it's saying. Not saying that an owner can be sued by the, by one bite of a, of a, but the rule basically is the one bite rule. In other words, we need to be careful, don't we, about the animals in, in just even construction sites. In chapter 22, verse 8 in Deuteronomy, it tells the people that they're to put a fence around their roof. Most of them had flat roofs. And they went up there to catch the breezes. Uh, maybe even to get sunshine if, if it was a cold day. 
Remember, Peter was up there taking a nap. But it applies with construction sites. You remember after the fire, after the snow began to melt, the orange fence just collapsed right into the pit. And we had such a hard time to get uh, the, the uh, settlement that we were going to call and say, look, I kept telling them, look, the fence has fallen into the pit. It's dangerous to go up near the site. But it's right for them to tell us right away to put a, a fence around the, uh, the fire pit. But unsafe construction and construction sites. We need, in other words, the Bible teaches us to minimize the risks, whether it be a pit or a pool or an animal. We are our brother's keeper. And I'm getting into next week's thought on the precept. But fires, explosives, guns, knives, hammers, vehicles, airplanes, poison, all these things can be used to murder our neighbor. We need to be a people that love our neighbor and care for them. And may I say in conclusion today that for a Christian especially, we are responsible for the souls of those that we interact with. And if a person is murdered physically, it's for life. But if a person dies without Christ, he's forever and ever in God's prison. And he will, she will experience the second death. And God is reminding us, I believe, by extension certainly, that we are to be our, the keeper of our neighbor's soul. Jesus, remember, told His disciples and tells us, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And the Lord reminds me again this morning, the people have a soul that will live somewhere forever. And we want to see their souls live. Remember, Ezekiel says, warn the wicked. If you warn them and they die in their iniquity, their sin is upon them and you've delivered your soul. But if you don't warn your neighbor, if you don't warn the wicked to flee from their wickedness and they die, they will die in their sins, but I will require their blood at your hands. God, help us to take this to heart. Where we can, where we should, that God would use us to point people to the Lord Jesus. That they will not have their souls murdered, but that they will have eternal life and hope of heaven. Let us pray.